0: Welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors, Durham's premier commercial HVAC installation and service company. For more information, go to comfortmc.com or call 919-383-2502. And I'm your host, Brian Kennedy. I am unmuted. I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Cox, Jamie Holt, and look who's back, Jordan Mann of the Big J and Little J podcast. Josh, back from the woods of enlightenment, so he he got everything squared away for the first time ever in our almost four-year run. The big dog is missing in action. I think the, the loss this past Saturday night in his stadium took too much on, out on him, but before he went into the woods, per se, he left us a little message. So here's Scott's reaction really quick to all things Virginia.
1: Well, folks, it had to happen. Uh, Cal Ripken's streak had to be broken back when, for the Baltimore Orioles. I know that's baseball and we're talking football. But I am unable to be on the show tonight, unfortunately, because of the other job I have in the evenings. Uh, so as you don't know, I do play-by-play and video basketball games for the local church school that I go to. So we had a game tonight out of town down in Lexington, North Carolina. So I get to go down to maybe, possibly go down to Pack, uh, Mark Packer's favorite place, Lexington Barbecue, LBC. But uh appreciate everybody logging in and watching. Uh, honestly, my take on the Virginia game, uh, Duke again needed one more, t- one more stop. That's one of the things we've preached the last two weeks, and unfortunately, it just has not happened. Uh, I get to the fourth quarter, and we're not getting the stop that we need, and that stinks. Uh, hopefully, that's something we can work on and get uh, – taken care of by the pit game this weekend. Um, and obviously, you know, there you could feel the lack of energy uh, once the game started and then just, you know, there just certain things. In all honesty, you know, Virginia, Calandula played a great game. Or Calandra, not Calandula. Calandra played a great game. Uh, only missed nine passes, and to be honest with you, four of those pa- four of those nine were dropped. So Kai could have done better. Um, injuries is killing Duke. That's I mean that's something we did not have to worry about last season. Unfortunately, we have to worry about it this season. So you know it is what it is. Next man up. Uh, we got one more chance. We got an opportunity to play Pittsburgh this week. Uh, hopefully, Duke will come out and ready to go. Uh, hopefully there'll be a crowd there because obviously it's senior day and, you know, we want to, I know personally want to pay my tribute to the, all the seniors that are going to be walking for the last time and playing possibly their next to last football game in Duke football uniform. So, you know, and then just all the other stuff going on is a perfect storm right now for Duke football. So hopefully all that stuff will get ironed out here quickly, but that's my take on the Virginia game. I hate it. I uh, really thought we would go up there and win. Beautiful campus. Uh, we had a really good time up until the game part, but just hate that Duke lost. And our thanks to
0: Scott giving his thoughts as he went into the woods of enlightenment. Hopefully he'll be back next week. And I haven't forgotten about it. Again, we've already gone off the rails with the start of this episode. Before we give our thoughts, here's head coach Mike Elko with his thoughts post-game after the loss to Virginia.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, first off, hats off to Virginia. Um, they beat us. Um, they did the things you need to do to win football games, and um, they certainly deserve to win. Um, I thought, from from our standpoint, um, you know, I think. I don't think it was about the emotion. I don't think it was about the letdown. I don't think it was about not bouncing back. I think we just didn't play good football. Uh, we lost the turnover battle, two nothing. We had a really really hard time fitting runs on defense. We gave up way too many rushing yards. Um, we couldn't make critical plays on third down on defense when we needed to. At the end of the game, uh, we played a really really bad third quarter of football, both sides of the ball. Um, we got stopped on third and one twice on offense. Um, you know, we just we didn't do any of the critical things that you need to do to win a conference game on the road. And and I just think, um, you know, it hurts and it's it's tough. And it's these are the lessons we have to learn. um, For us to become the program that we want to become and for us to get. Where we want to go as Duke football and, and become a team that's consistently competing for this thing in November, I think understanding the challenge of playing every single week, executing every single week, what that takes, what that looks like, and so um, you know, I'm discouraged with how we played today. I'm not disappointed in who we are. Um, you know, the fight was there. Uh, I thought we battled all the way to the end. Um, we were an onside kick away from from you know rallying from from way down, um, but. Um, you can't play conference games at all and and play like we played in the third quarter and lose the turnover battle and not stop the run. If if you do that, um, you know, your ability to have success is going to be really bad. So for that, I'll open up to questions.
0: And again, that was head coach Mike Elko giving his thoughts after the heartbreaking loss in Charlottesville to the Virginia Cavaliers. So fellas, this episode has already gone off the rails. Gotta love it. We're only two and a half minutes in. But in all seriousness, this was one of those games that, First of the year, anything's possible. About five games in, we thought, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk of a game. Then the last few weeks after Virginia upsets UNC, plays close against Louisville, started to think it was a trap game. And unfortunately, as I stated, the Devils went up to Charlottesville and they could not get the win and they fall to six and five. Josh, I'm going to let you start since you weren't here last week. Again, welcome back, buddy. Thoughts overall. All four of us were there. Jordan was watching at home, at the comfort of his own home. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and get us started?
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, man, missing Scott. Uh, good news, though, as as all you guys know, he had um, a cancerous spot removed uh, from his neck, and that came back clear today. Um, so that's that's good news, and so we're um, we're happy happy for that. Um, and they were able to take care of that. So, anyway, shout out to to, to Scott. At Scott Stadium. I do want to appreciate you guys holding down last week. Uh, man, I had a bunch of people come up to me at the Virginia game. Like, man, you really were out in the woods. Like, what was going on? So you guys sold that really well. I was out in the woods. I was out in the woods. Um, but, yeah, uh, Virginia game. Man, Duke Duke has lost four out of the last six games, guys. That's not a good, not a good run that these Blue Devils have been on. Got to be straight up with you. I felt like the energy level. Uh, From the time those guys got on the field uh, throughout the first half and the halftime was low, uh, did not change in the second half. In fact, going into the fourth quarter, there was absolutely zero jumping around zero hype. Uh, There was no four, even no fours held up. Like I know that's kind of dumb. Everybody does that, but there was none of that uh, in in this game. You could kind of feel like this, this lack of energy uh, throughout throughout the the, uh, sideline there and, you know, Coach Elko addressed it today. He was asked about it. Um, he addressed it uh, in Monday's presser and just said, "You know, you can't be you can't be a ten out of a ten on your energy every single game. Like, not every game is you know Notre Dame coming to town with College Game Day, and I get that. And it's up to Duke to have the character uh, to go out and play even when maybe your energy level is not where it needs to be. Uh, all that, all that to be said. Um, I mean, Grayson Loftus had had by far the best game." um of his career so far uh through through the ball fairly well overthrew uh some some guys but you know you'd rather him if he's going to overthrow it the ball was like landing out of bounds um you know rather than underthrow it and get it picked uh so you know i I thought he made decent decisions he did throw the one interception um but through for a lot of yardage jordan moore had an incredible day um at wide receiver and um yeah i mean pretty uh pretty disappointing other than that. I mean, our defense wasn't really there. Uh, I mean, you had the captain man, Dwayne Carter on that interior defensive line wound up with like a, a, a zero tackle uh day. I think that might be the first I've, I've ever heard of that. I, I know he doesn't necessarily rack up a ton of tackles. It's not necessarily his job, but usually he's in there on something. And so, yeah, you know, I've got some other things to talk about, um, you know, as a regards to this, but not really in my opening statement. So I'll kind of leave it at that. Disappointed. Uh, in the effort um, at the end of the day and disappointed the energy, not disappointed the effort, disappointed the energy, still had a chance to win it at the end.
4: Yeah. And we still got what, what I want to refer to now as fourth quarter Grayson because that dude, like when he gets into the fourth quarter, he becomes like a, some sort of Peyton Manning esque, like, (laughs) like just making all the throws and and bringing us back to the point where we could have won the game. Or could have sent the game into overtime, but Virginia played really well. There's no no doubt there, and Virginia has been playing well the last few weeks, uh, taking Louisville to the brink, and Louisville being already clinched the ACC championship game. So it's going to be Florida State and Louisville.
5: What else is going to
4: happen? God, God. (laughs) this is ridiculous. This episode. Hey Tyler, have fun with this episode. (laughs) This is gonna be <laughs> uh what was I saying? Where were we at? Charlottesville? Yeah, we're it was a beautiful drive up there. We got to go through Lynchburg and see see Brian's alma mater, uh, Liberty. I've I've never even been to Lynchburg actually. So driving through it was nice and the the Charlottesville, Scott Stadium is a nice stadium. It's a nice little stadium, you know. But I still prefer Wally Wade. Uh but anyways, back to the game. The defense just like Josh said, it just wasn't there. Like, I don't know what was going on. Our cornerbacks were back to the not looking for the ball. Uh, just, it just seemed like Virginia could do what they wanted to do. Uh, all in all, not fun. Not a fun trip. Not a fun ride home. Uh, I slept a lot of the way home. So, so no kidding. So that, that, was, that was fun. But, anyways, that's
0: all I got. <laughs> Jordan, are you sure you want to keep on with us? Come I, don't on. Know how,
5: I don't know how I could come off of that. That that was the best of the best right there. But just to piggyback off what Josh said and what they both said about the defense, Jamie, is just dying laughing. But it, like Elko's system, uh, obviously safeties are always involved, but it's never good when your three leading tacklers are all safeties. And that kind of just shows how the passing game was for Virginia with Jeremiah Lewis and Jalen Simpson at 10 tackles and Brandon Johnson at 9. So when your linebacker doesn't is the fourth leading tackler of the team that's not great. It's not a good recipe for success and Malik Washington has had an outstanding year for Virginia and I said in our previous episode that he was going to be an X factor and he I mean he had 8 catches for 112 and two touchdowns it seemed like he was always open and the most disappointing thing the most frustrating thing to go off of everything was Calendre is a true freshman and Duke didn't confuse him at all uh, in the game I mean he was 21 to 30 for 278 three touchdowns and had led the team in rushing with 66 rushing yards so for Duke not having anything to stop Calandria was pretty frustrating as a fan but we got Pitt coming up next so we got to turn to the next page
3: yeah I thought I thought something interesting Jordan speaking of the defense uh, this game we saw on third down uh do go into like a dime package, a three down lineman, and they brought in Cam Bergeron. You had Cam Bergeron on one side, Brandon Johnson on the other. Uh, that was a little bit different than what we've seen. Duke usually stays in that nickel uh even on third down. And so they they brought in came, gave a little bit of a different look. And I know that was probably to respect the pass game, but it didn't help because like you said, Malik Washington. And then in the in the in the second half, Malachi Fields, you know, seemed like they could they were getting open and getting the ball, you know, whenever they wanted to.
5: Yeah, like you said, sorry, I had trouble with my mute button, so that's three for three on the mutes right now. But, yeah, I agree. It was uh, both those guys just seemed like they were getting open. And for a team that couldn't run the ball very well this season, and they didn't really run the ball that well against Duke, they had a couple pivotal runs that led to scoring drives that Duke could not let happen, and especially at the end of the game where Duke needed one stop. Duke just could not get that one stop, and that just summed up the game right there.
4: I had, like, one other thing I wanted to say before I got all – tongue twisted and tongue tied up in there uh it was pretty amazing to to have a battle of true freshmen qbs both playing really well uh and grayson loftus in his first three games as a blue double. uh i had tweeted this the other day sometime he's got six touchdowns and just two interceptions for his first three games and that's to be a true freshman that's
0: that's really good so Well, I won't belabor the point because we don't like to talk about losses. Plus, we've got another hefty mailbag edition coming up shortly. One thing that stood out to me was that usually when a team has 12 penalty penalty yard or penalties, God almighty, Jamie, you gave it right back to me, buddy, from last week. When a team has 12 penalties for 117 yards, 99.9% of the time, that team's not going to win. But that's exactly what Virginia had. And let me tell you something, folks. Off the field, me and Josh had a lot of fun with some of the surrounding Virginia fans. All I'm going to say is, white Crocs guy, you're probably never going to see this. We thoroughly enjoyed watching you, an orange Virginia hoodie guy, lose your ever-loving minds after each penalty flag. It got to the point where me and Josh weren't even looking on the field because we were waiting for a reaction. So thank you guys both. That was the most entertainment in the stands we've gotten in a long time. The other thing is this. While I wasn't UNC, there were some obnoxious Virginia fans. And I could have gotten mad. We all could have gotten mad. But then you got to think back, Duke folks. We were in this situation from 1995 to 2007. We barely saw four wins. Heck, we barely saw three wins. So anytime we beat a team, we thought that our you-know-what didn't stink. So... We know exactly where Virginia fans are coming from, but I digress, you know, Elko, I think said it in the post game. He might've said it today. I, I'm getting my uh, pressers mixed up, but he said that was probably the second game this year where they just came out flat and just had no response. The first game, of course, being Louisville, that game was just done in the first quarter. Not so much here guys. Cause again, Duke came back, could have won. It should have been tied, but missed a field goal. It is what it is. So, what to take out of it? One, one thing, and it's something that Coach Elko told us at the very beginning during the DDC interview at the beginning of the year. You got to realize, week one is not week one for a football team. Week one is like, what, week six for a football team. So, now we're entering week, God, 17. So, these kids are tired. Coach Elko is tired. You can see it. In his press conferences, not saying he has no energy, but the Is man has. Is
3: it from jet lag? Too soon.
0: <laughs> mm, I'm gonna stay quiet on that one. I'm sure. I'm sure that'll
3: come up in the mailbag. <laughs> but
4: oh, it's the, first, it's the first. the first question.
3: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, no, we'll
4: I, I do time. have.
3: One, I do have one thing, Brian. About this, game. I forgot yep. to mention. If you're cool with this, yeah. Um, sure. Gross clock management at the end of the second quarter, heading yes. to halftime. Uh, you know, first of all, we uh we get the first down, you know, uh dude gets the first down um in the in the red zone and it's like caught it the timeout because you know the clock's gonna start on the on the uh the the whistle or whatever. And we didn't and we lost, you know, eleven seconds or something getting that playoff and we had two timeouts and we wound up kicking the field goal on third down. Um so like you gotta use your time out there and I you know I want, we just call it like we see it, but we missed on we missed out on, what, four points there because if we score a touchdown compared to a field goal and we ended up losing the game by three points, three points.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you score a touchdown there and go up 14 to 10 at halftime, I mean, who knows what kind of energy the team comes out with in the second half, right? Virginia might have been deflated and Duke might come out with all sorts of energy uh, going up at halftime. And, but unfortunately, I mean – and we haven't said this much about coach elko but that, that was on him i mean that's on him that's on the that's on the top dog <laughs> uh
0: any anything else again I don't want to belabor the point this is just uh this is becoming a habit we don't like to to continue with these episodes we had enough of that in 2021 i'm going to throw this out there really quick before we get to the mailbag, guys it seems like every time a unc loss occurs it's like two to three games after for the team to to get back on track. I mean, do y'all disagree with me? Again, this loss, the loss to UNC, was just so heartbreaking. One of those heartbreaking breaking losses. What did we do last year after the heartbreaking loss? Did we, we lose? Well, the last
5: year we beat Miami. That's right. One beat the beat the yeah. brakes off of them. That's but, right. Okay, but I think historically you are right. Like at the end of the Cutcliffe era, that is correct mm-hmm. because I remember after. The, the press conference after the Miami game, Elko said, like, I don't know why people are surprised this team is re- resilient and they're going to bounce back. And I'm just like, Elko, yeah. you just don't know the history of Duke football yet, baby, because we are not a <laughs> emotional loss and then coming back and winning the next game.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, again, we're not going to continue to talk about it. It's in the rearview mirror. Got the regular season finale coming up with Pitt. We did have an interview lined up. I know I teased it last week. But unfortunately, our guests had a scheduling conflict that they forgot about. But they will hopefully be here next week to discuss things Pitt and the ACC. So, again, we're just off to a rip-roaring start for this episode. But that just gives us more time for the mailbag. So, Jamie, I know you were working feverishly over the weekend after you posted the question. So, go ahead and get us rolling for this week's mailbag. We're going to start on Facebook with uh, Anon,
4: because we protect the innocent here.
0: Anonymous for those older
4: folks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Have all these rumors of Elko leaving changed the morale in the locker room? Besides the obvious injuries, something has changed and is showing on the field. And then I had uh, Chris McCurdy and Van Marshall also had questions about Elko leaving. So throw that to you, Josh. What do you think?
3: Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Um, I mean, these guys are not – they don't live under rocks, man. Uh, we're in a digital age. We're in a social media age. Um, you know, I listen, I understand a week ago or whenever it was where Coach Elko said that he was happy in Durham. His family loves Durham and Duke. Um, those are all true. Like, his family is happy here. He does love Duke. Um, that doesn't change the fact that there are schools – evidently that are coming after him and that just like anyone else who is working at a job that they know can move them from state to state, city to city. If another job opportunity says, Hey, we're, we'll pay you double or we'll give you a X amount of raise. Like you're going to at least listen. And so like people, people are like, Oh, it's betrayal. It's like, no, it's, it's a human being like looking at the options of his own life and his family. So at the end of the day, like I can't blame him for that. The timing of the rivals.com uh, tweet on Friday night was, was unfortunate. Um, I'm sure that made its rounds uh, around the, the players and even the assistant coaches. I have no idea. Um, I haven't talked to any of them, but I'm sure that made its rounds and absolutely it can affect the locker room. I think Coach Oko knows that like these are, these are high-level situations and issues that he's dealing with that he knows is having an impact on 18-, 19-, 20-year-old kids in his football program. And so no one likes that. It's just the nature of, of the beast. And, and if I – look, I'm just going to say it, man. I don't really care. If Mike Elko leaves Duke, it is going to rest on the shoulders of the Duke University administration. He is not leaving. We know Mike Elko well enough. I don't believe Mike Elko, Mike Elko is just chasing the next buck for himself. Mike Elko is looking for buy-in and support from the administration. And if he does not get the buy-in and support in multiple levels, salary levels for his assistant coaches, uh, upgrades to what the, the 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 team gets for this or for that, and yes, I know we harp on it all the time, NIL money if he doesn't get it and he doesn't get the support from the administration, the athletic department and the university, then that's going to be the deciding factor. And so at the end of the day, the way I look at this, the ball is not in Mike Elgin's court. The ball is in Duke's court and how Duke handles this is going to really show its fan base, how committed they truly are to football.
0: Well, and and the other thing that we kind of talked about on the way up to Charlottesville, if it were to happen, and again, before, before I say this, we have no insider knowledge. We have no idea what's going to happen, whether Elko stays or Elko goes. But simply put, if that scenario happened where Mike Elko did leave to go somewhere else, I'm not even going to name schools, that will set this football program back. There is no doubt about it. Because if the support's not there from the administration for the needs that Josh spoke about earlier.
3: I mean, Brian, did you just go mute, bro? I think Brian just went mute on us. Did he go mute for you guys? Yeah, that's awesome. I
0: I swear to everything, I'm back on dial up internet. So, folks, can anyone hear me? Am I still muted? No, you're. You're. I swear to God, I'm going to scream. I'm on dial-up tonight, apparently. I don't know what's going on. I, I, this has not been a good Monday for any of us. Before we started recording, Josh got a flat tire, so we're a little late recording. I'm kind of cranky because it's almost my bedtime. <laughs> but if it happens again, fellas, I, I, I'm truly sorry. Justin, you're just going to have a lot more editing to do. But again, the next person that would come in if Elko left immediately would ask, what kind of support am I going to get? Because you didn't support the previous coach. How do I know you're going to support me? So it's going to be really interesting these next couple of weeks, what's going to happen. I will say this and we'll move
4: on. There is, I know there's all those other factors too, but it is also about money for Elko. And you can't let him fool you into thinking it's not about money for him too. Because uh, if Texas A&M comes in and offers him, I don't know, some ridiculous per year, and Duke can't match it, even if we have NIL support and have all that other stuff, He's, I mean, he's going to leave. Unfortunately. I mean, it, it,
3: here's what I'll tell you. If you look at the total budget, though, of athletics, and you look at how much money football brings in, there's actually no reason why Duke can't be competitive in that salary. I know it will be crazy, and it will be over the top, but the amount of money that the Iron Dukes and all these pieces, uh, the athletic department brings in, I'm not saying they can match what Texas A&M can do because that's just stupid money. But, like, if his salary is $8 million, I think they can get close to it. They can get close to it. I'm just saying I don't think he would make the decision solely off his salary. I think he would say, I could deal with a lesser salary if you guys will give me 100% buy-in. Jordan, since this is kind of important question, I do want you to be able to speak into this, too.
5: Yeah, I think you hit every part of that correctly. Like very accurately I mean no coach in the right mind like obviously mine's in the basketball realm but it's very similar to everything it's like if you're not going to invest in my success then I'm not going to be the one that you turn on in two years when say you lose a starting quarterback or a star wide receiver or somebody to another program because NIO that's what just happened to Dino Babers at Syracuse he had Syracuse ranked top 25 last couple years but you know what keeps happening his best players leave because other people are poaching him, and Syracuse did not invest in the program. They fired the coach because he stopped winning and is getting blown down the ACC. If Duke doesn't do the same, if Duke does the same with Elko, eventually a year or two we're going to be like, oh, Elko can't win at Duke. No, these all these X factors that are outside of the football field. Is what's is what's happening. And that's why you're not being competitive on the football field is because you're not taking care of business outside of the football field. So Duke has to take it business, take care of business with what you said to be successful.
0: Well, and the one thing that Elko mentioned today at his press conference, coming up in two weeks, free agency starts. Let's just call it what it is. As he put it, the wild, wild west, the transfer portal. You're gonna either want to have A plan, meaning I've got the support from the administration. I know who we can go after now. Or, hey, I got to get my ducks in the row for my next location so that I can start getting players. And I'm just going to say this, folks, and it's the reality of this business because this is what it has become. It is a business. If Mike Elko leaves, you can expect more people to leave as well. It happens every time a coach leaves. Jimbo gets fired immediately within 24 hours there was like 10 people saying they were transferring out same with Syracuse same with Michigan state same with every program so again to to end this because i mean we we spent a good amount of time on this one question it's either the support's going to be there support's not going to be there there's no middle ground it's one or the other jamie i'll say one more thing if if
4: we manage to keep Elko this off season which could be one of the most tumultuous off-seasons we've seen trying to keep him. But if we manage to keep him, I think he'll, I think he'll be here a while because I think that means that he's gotten the support from the administration if we manage to keep him. But anyways, moving on. Spencer Thomas. I don't know where we rank now on points per game given up by our defense. We may be still near the top of the ACC, but I think we can all agree our defense has, is nothing like it was the first six games of the year. What has changed? And as we mentioned this earlier, he says the, the defensive backs haven't been turning around and looking for the ball. We saw that multiple times against Virginia. We just think a lot of that had to do with they were just not there. Uh, missed tackles, lack of creating turnovers. A lot of the creating turnovers was – that's a lot of luck. I mean, we we created a lot of turnovers last year. And you got to get the ball to just kind of bounce your way. And, yes, I mean, they were, they were great at creating turnovers, but the ball can – Bounce the wrong way, and next thing you know, it, you know, the offense recovers that fumble, and so the defense recovering the fumble. Um, you guys got anything to say about that?
0: I did find in the nation, Duke's still twenty seventh for opponents' points. I think that goes back to the early games, to where they were only giving up a touchdown every game, and it's catching up. But still, night they're only giving up only around twenty points a game, so not bad. But yeah, again, I just think it's fatigue. I don't think any. I mean, the outside sound and everything of the recent weeks could definitely be a factor. But again, like we stated earlier, this team is technically in like week seventeen with all the practices and all the nuances and like because again they don't just start at week one against Clemson. They've been doing it for a couple of months before that. So I ju- I just think it's just a perfect storm scenario right now on the deep. We got one more game
3: we got two more games but i'll pick two up cause brian cuz brian's frozen um but uh but no i will say we're not getting pressure um on the quarterback number one uh like like we need to i mean i think rj had a sack in the virginia game if i'm not mistaken but we're really not getting pressure and that's where everything starts you win and lose on the, on the on the in the trenches and so we're not necessarily winning on the defensive side of the football in the trenches and to be honest with you we're not necessarily winning on the offensive side as well as we could uh, with that line, and so you know I think that's part of it with the defensive struggle. I mean, look, Miles Jones, MIA. I mean, might as well not be on the roster. Um, Al Blades has just struggled in the second part of the season. Um, Chandler Rivers and Pickett are are filling in their spots fine, but once again, there's just not the depth. The depth is not is not what it needs to be, and that goes back to what we're talking about. and and player retention and player recruitment. It's like, it's not enough to just recruit your ones. You've got to recruit your twos and even your threes for this time of year.
5: Yeah. To go off of you, Josh, real quick. I mean, also, you're looking at like the difference of a first year defensive coordinator, first half of the season to where the deep, the offenses are getting different schemes off of film and we have been banged up, but it's a good learning experience for Santushi, too. I know he's co DC at AM, but to have full control, full reins of a defense that was lights out first six games of the year. Like, look, Then day two, Duke's depth has always been a concern. And last year, Duke was very fortunate, had the best injury luck in maybe program history, because Elk uh, used to have a guy with tears ACL in August every year that was a key contributor. Some of times, was three of them. And so for Duke to have a clean year last year. It piled up this year where injury bugs got us inconsistent play. It's just been the perfect storm on the defensive end, and you run into Drake May, who's probably the best QB prospect in the country, and Jordan Travis is the second best QB in the ACC. Like that's going to take a toll on you as well. But yeah, I think it's just a perfect storm of guys getting tired, and uh, we're getting figured out a little bit. So we just got to keep adjusting going into pit.
4: All right, next question. This one, this one will be for you, uh, Jordan, because you're resident uh, recruiting guy, uh, Jonathan Huggin on Facebook. I know we still have two games left this year, but he was wondering who we have coming in next year. He says, because we obviously are going to be losing a lot. We saw the 37 s- seniors walking, so that's a lot.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, we have Tyler Cherry coming in, who on three just came out today. He was top 10 in QB in the country. Now he's sixth in the country, and so that's pretty remarkable to see a Duke graphic I had it up on my Twitter that I just exited out of, of course, before this. But I think it was like Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State, and Florida were like the five schools in front of Duke. And then you see Duke in front of like Penn State and other guys for a QB. And then Paul Menke is a a four-star safety that Duke got over Notre Dame. And it wasn't like – he was one of Notre Dame's safety prospects, and they went with two guys better than him. He was their number one guy. Wanted him to commit on his official visit. And he said no. He was going to take an official visits to Duke, and that's where he committed. And then we have a wide receiver. We know the wide receiver room's been undersized all year. We've got a six two, six three wide receiver coming in by the name of Chase Tyler. Chose Duke over Tennessee. The kids lights out. And I think that's going to be one of the true freshmen that can get some snaps next season as well. All
4: right, moving on to uh, Richard Bird on Facebook. Anything in the playbook other than an inside dive on third and one, and I'll, he didn't mention this. And out of the shotgun, nonetheless, which I absolutely hate. Um, because why not just at least line up on her center, and you got you got Jordan, you got Jordan there. Just hand it off to him, and surely you can get the yard. But how, how many times against Virginia? Did we not get that yard? It got frustrating.
5: So to go off of that, I know that is like the common theme. I saw it on Twitter as well, that it was, uh, why are we not taking a snap under center? I honestly, I think it's it's a skill thing. Like it's hypothetical. Yeah, just get under center, hike it, you catch it and hand it off. But when you don't practice that in practice, like I don't think you can run it. And I'm not just saying that Duke, I think a lot of people – uh, have a problem going from college to pros as a prospect, they can't get under center. And I don't know if that's a thing with Duke or not, but it would be nice to see us get convert a third and short or fourth and short and not be five yards in the backfield and then get to the line of scrimmage. But yeah, I think the run block run blocking, there's a couple of times where it could have been under center for a QB sneak, but somebody got thrown off the line of scrimmage and Virginia was there anyway. So the run blocking has got to be better in that situation as
3: well. Well, you saw saw UVA, though, do – and, Jordan, I'd like to hear your opinion on this. Is it called the Tush Push or the Bush bush Push?
5: So, the Bush Push is obviously from the USC game. So, I got what – well, Scott that said that, Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: I got what he was saying, but obviously the Tush Push is what everybody says these days. Right, because if you don't know specifically Reggie Bush, then it's a little awkward. Yeah, it is. no, it is. It's a weird <laughs> conversation starter, right? Right. You're bush bush. It's like, right? right, 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 right. <laughs> anyway, um, but, yeah, so they – but Virginia utilized that a couple different times, I believe, in the game. And, you know, you look at it, and it's pretty much unstoppable. I mean, Philly's been doing it all season in the NFL, and until it becomes illegal, if they're going to make it illegal, uh you know, to me, you you got to take advantage of that. Or at the very least, if you're Duke – put Jeremiah Hazley or Nikki Dalmollen in the backfield beside the running back and run it and have him push, like, like have them follow up like that. So it was, it was just odd to see us just not be able to get a yard when yeah. we needed it. And like, and, and, and listen, y'all Jordan waters has 12 touchdowns this year, but Jordan waters, the one thing he struggles with is getting started. If he starts tap dancing in that backfield, he has a hard time getting going. He has really got to be like downhill as quickly as possible. And then some, some of those times, he just never could. I feel like get his momentum heading north south, and so that's that's a, that's a problem.
5: Yeah. And the, oh, sorry, Jamie. I was going to go oh, off. real quick. The backup QB for Virginia wasn't he like six four, six five? Like he was a big dude to where like the tush push. I still think he was short on the fourth and two. I don't know how that wasn't the on TV. He was short by a half yard, but. To go off of that, if I had a six four six five guy with strong oak legs like he did, I would definitely do the tush push every time.
4: Yeah, and having like most of the majority of Jordan Waters' touchdowns this year, I feel like have come from like him just breaking into the breaking into the secondary and just beating people. It's more, less of the goal line type back, whereas what was Mateo Durant? If you had him on the goal line. He he, he would get that yard uh, at times, but it is what it is. Sometimes it's just flat-out play calling. Sometimes we need to just do something different in that situation. Um, Next up is Regina Lee, and this is a long one, so bear with me. Since the Elko era started, we keep hearing that this team has done everything that the coaches have asked them to do, that their approach to the game is above reproach, and they have embraced the grind. In the now and they, they fight for the man on their right and the man on their left i don't want to believe that any of that has changed is it possible that opponents are focusing on duke and game planning for us more closely than the past when duke was not winning isn't it possible that much like with duke men's basketball opposing teams are game planning for duke like santucci game plan for clemson all summer opposing teams have duke circled on their calendar and that increased Attention from opponents on Duke's playbook. In combination with our team simple line Duke's on playbook to accommodate the Grayson Loftus and other less experienced players. Duke is an easier target than early – is Duke an easier target than earlier in the season? Opponents have more film on Duke, plus Duke can't run the complex plays that they could have run with the first team healthy.
3: Jamie, could you repeat the question? <laughs>
0: Could you repeat the last five questions?
3: No, I get it. I get the gist of the question, right? And, like, I'll, 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 I'll toss it to you guys. But, basically, at the end of the day, it's, it's Duke getting a little bit more of a target on their back with the football program. I mean, I think the answer to that is yes. And that's, that comes with success, number one. Is there more film? Obviously, there's more film. Jordan mentioned it earlier. There's more film on our defense. And whereas those first four or five games of the season, I'm sure there were some things we took – uh, you know, the other team by surprise and some of our schemes that we're no longer able to do. And so this time of year, like you have a lot of things working against you. You have obviously the injuries, you have natural fatigue. You know, I mentioned Dwayne Carter. Y'all know how much we love Dwayne Carter, but Dwayne Carter's played every game of the season and, you know, multiple uh, snaps every game of the season. The, his body's worn down. Like at the end of the day, you add all that together with the scouting uh, with, you know, obviously um, a true freshman quarterback, which I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, when we when, when that becomes a question, it's not as bad as people think. Um, but still, yeah, this is a perfect storm of Duke. With that, that success, target's big on your back, and there's more film and there's there's injuries. Wear and tear, for sure. That's a perfect storm.
5: Yeah, uh, go off of that. I mean, Duke did have the target on their back, but also – Nobody's ever – I don't know if anybody's ever – and I love Regina, so this is a great question So thank you, Regina. I think nobody's ever really taken Duke lightly just because that used to be like the kiss of death, like if you lose to Duke, then that coach is on the hot seat back in the day, and they would try and walk through. But like this year and last year, nobody really took Duke lightly with Elko at the helm because they knew that it was a different era to where he – his scheme, John's scheme – was lights out night and day better than what the previous regime was. And now you're seeing just inexperience in certain areas because of the injuries, like Josh said. So I think it's the perfect storm. All right. right. Moving on to Twitter.
4: Um, And this first one is actually, uh, wasn't even one of the questions that was under our, uh, our tweet. Uh, This was under one of my tweets and I thought, I just thought it was good. So I'm just going to read it Uh, at Bill. Joe, oh, 08196093, oh, uh, Duke fans lament our 6 and 5 record. He said, but consider this. Duke's strength of schedule is ranked 16th nationally and first in the ACC. Our opponent's combined record is 76 and 45. Eight of our opponents have winning records. Six of those have won eight or more games. Seven and five with that schedule would be, very, would be a very noteworthy victory for this Duke team. All yes. Right. If anybody has anything to say, go ahead.
3: No, I, I will say this. We, Brian, I know we talked about this earlier. I mean, I, I picked us to go eight and four, and I, th- I feel like I was being uh, a little bit generous at the beginning of the season. I mean, I know we had some wacko on our show that picked us to go ten and two, idiot. Uh, what good? <laughs> <joke for>
5: Valley <laughs> went down. Yeah. Yes.
3: Some guy has to evidently had to wear a helmet around. But anyway, um, but uh, but no, like, you know, I think we all were like, we were all best case scenario right at the beginning of the year and i'll be honest with you i know i'm pessimistic a little bit but like eight and four was kind of i was looking at it like yeah this is like a good case scenario for duke eight and four and here we will probably hopefully end up seven and five and i'm not mad about it with the schedule that we have i am not mad about seven and five
0: we all drank before the predictions episode so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm hopefully back for the rest of the episode. My apologies, folks, but Spectrum Internet is giving me problems. No, I, I agree. I, again, at the beginning of the year, I think we all collectively agreed if this team went 7-5, and 8-4, and four, even 9-3, and three, it would be leaps and bounds better than what the schedule should have been, could have been. And I, and I hate to say it, I hate to belabor the point, but had Duke stopped Notre Dame on that 4th and sixteen. We might not even be having this conversation, but we can't play what ifs, anything like that. Still, to have what what was the strength of schedule? He said sixteenth in the nation. If that had been any other year, we're talking three and nine, maybe a four and eight record, with what we've seen in past performances. So to to end the season, already knowing we're going to a bowl game, already knowing that they there could be seven wins guaranteed on a strength of schedule sixteenth in the nation, that's pretty doggone good no matter what way you cut it so again if if we can finally get the, the monkey off our back and defeat Pitt for the first time in, since 2015 I believe coming up in the tail of the tape that would just be a good exclamation point as we head into bowl season
4: alright at the Duke of Coupa we still have with Pitt still coming up can we play like we have nothing to lose again so that was fun
0: earlier in the season. We got to remember this again. It's senior day. These guys do not want to leave Wallace Wade with a loss. Dwayne's walking. Jacob's walking. Graham's walking. Uh, Jamion's walking. I mean, what was it, Josh? 37 players in all. We don't have the list. We don't know the list.
3: Jalen's walking.
0: Yeah, it's almost half the damn team that's walking. So... They are going to put it all on the line. This final game of theirs in Wallace Wade before they hit bowl season. So, yeah, I, I I don't see any reason why they just balls to the wall. I mean, there's no other way to put it. So correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because someone asked about Jalen's injury in the presser. And Elko's like, he's going to play. Even if he was injured, he's going to play. It's his last game at Duke's campus. All right, moving on to at
4: Noah Lunsford six, and we all we we love Noah. Noah Noah brings the energy. Uh, he says, "Why am I so sad all the time in November?" <laughs> and and to that we I mean we kind of got trained to be that way, right? Under Cutcliffe, like the fast Wait starts. Wake me goes...
0: <laughs> up when November ends. I know it's December, but still, that that we could change that song very yeah. easily for Noah. <laughs>
3: Yeah. It's been a sucky month. Hasn't it? It's been tough. I mean, yeah, uh, this this is not the November uh, that you wanted, you know, and honestly, if you look back at last season, um, November wasn't, wasn't great. I mean, Duke did end up getting that final victory at wake, which got the momentum heading into the military bowl. Uh, so similar, similar this year, Energy's a little bit different around the program, but uh, yeah, November has been a tough month uh, that, that, that UNC game uh, with the, is the big, you know, elephant in the room there.
4: All right. At LA Dodgers all day. Sam, Sam. Yeah. Says, he says, glad this game is in Durham so we don't have to play the Panthers and the Pigeons. <laughs> that was crazy last year. And he's got a question for Brian here, our resident uh, bowlitologist. How much does, this, does the outcome of this pick game change Duke's bowl destination? Uh, and he says, assuming Duke's Mayo is out of the picture now, which I don't think it actually is, uh, what's most likely for us at seven and five versus six and six?
0: Okay. And I, I talked with the guys about this over the weekend, and I think I tweeted about it a little bit over the weekend too. Duke's Mayo is not out of the question by any stretch of the imagination. I'm going to put it to you this way: a seven and five record keeps us in Tier One bowls. A 6-6 and record, Duke falls to a Tier 2 bowl. A lot of things, not a lot of things, but some things need to happen. Duke's got to beat Pitt. In my humble opinion, Clemson needs to beat South Carolina. And then Miami needs to beat whoever they're playing. I don't even know who they're playing, regardless. And here's why. Bowls don't just pick teams based off their record. They pick teams based off of traveling fan bases. So if you've got a 7-5 and five Duke and you've got a 7-5 and five Miami and you're looking at, say, the Holiday Bowl, who do you think that bowl is going to pick, if we're being completely honest? Miami. The history, the fan base, they would go to San Diego. The thing that's helping Duke right now is the distance to Charlotte, two and a half hours. If Duke went to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, there would be a lot of Duke fans there. There were a lot of Duke fans at the military bowl last year because it was, what was it for? It's like a four hour drive. Not bad at all. If you pick Duke to go to San Diego, you're going to have parents there and some alumni that live in San Diego. When we went to the Sun Bowl against Arizona state in El Paso, that was what? 2014, I believe 15, something like that. Not exactly a great turnout for the El pa- for El Paso. So Sam, to go back to you, seven and five, a win this weekend, definitely Duke's Mayo Bowl is open. If I'm being completely honest with you, if we go six and six, could be in the Fenway Bowl, could be down in Tampa for the Gasparilla Bowl. More than likely, it would it'd be one of those two. So fingers crossed, Duke fans. Duke gets the monkey off the back. Like I said earlier, we finally beat Pitt. And there's one more question
4: that's kind of similar, but Travis okay. Murphy on uh, he was on Facebook, but I, I gripped him in with this question. Uh, he wanted to know where each of us would want to go bowling. I'll start since I'm unmuted. I absolutely want to go to Charlotte. <laughs> it's <laughs> like
0: it's a two and a half
4: hour drive. Like that's, okay, that's, a easy, that's an easy that's an easy question for me. Yeah, yeah.
0: Hang on a second, Let, and let's give them the reason why we would have to give Jamie like five volumes to get on a plane. If we had to fly. So that's why Jamie hates flying. He'll drive if he can drive. I'll be honest. I wish it was a higher tier. I'd love to go to the Fenway Bowl. I've never been to Fenway Park. I think it'd be a cool experience to see a football game played in a baseball stadium, but I mean, it's a lower tier bowl. So, but still just with the history of it and everything.
3: I want to go to Florida warm weather.
0: (laughs) So Josh can wear the section 17 banana hammock. I want to go to
5: (laughs) yeah,
3: Jordan. Jordan, you uh, you may be uh, dumping mayo, right?
5: Possibly. I have a connect with the Mayo Bowl, and he was like, "Hey, if Duke's in, do you want to pour mayo?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." So Elko, I got you.
0: (laughs) Hang on, a reminder, Jordan. I don't know if you remember this. When Elko first got hired, I said, "If we went to the Duke's Mayo Bowl." and we won, I would happily have mayonnaise dumped on me as well. So you can dump it on me too if you want, bud.
3: I'm going to give. I'll let Josh do that one. I got Elko. <laughs> I'm not touching Brian's. Uh, never mind. No, what? <laughs> it's, getting,
4: it's getting weird in here.
3: It's yeah. Weird in here. Let's keep mayo out of this.
4: At Big Papa RV. Loftus seems to get in, get in a rhythm when they let him sling it around the field. Will they open up the offense versus Pitt? Also, will they let Loftus run the ball? He had huge open lanes on zone reads and refused to keep it versus UVA. I don't know. Although if they I, let him what, Jamie? Run the ball. No, <laughs> no, no. no.
0: <laughs> Sling.
4: Sling it all over the field. <laughs> oh um But as far as running the ball, Coach, I, I did listen to Coach Elko's radio show last week, and he – he basically said they're not letting Loftus run run the ball. They're just, I mean, they don't want him to get hurt at this point. Like we've got one other QB.
3: Yeah, Davis, David was Donald Tomlin. <laughs> Donald, Donald Tomlin, Tomlin the fourth. <laughs> Donald Tomlin. He is not seeing the field. It's actually really scary when you watch the quarterbacks run out and it's two guys, and one yeah. of them is not scholarship. That's a really scary thing. And so uh, can I give you guys this? So speaking of Grayson, I asked Coach Yoko about the the opening up of the playbook for Grayson and where they're at on that. Um, and he said, obviously, the running thing, they're not going to be calling runs for Grayson. They're just not – don't want to put him in that situation. And I understand. He did have the running the rushing touchdown in the Carolina game. I thought that was not a great call. Um, but he said – he put it this way. He said, imagine if you're a ninth grader. You're a freshman in high school and your, your senior and high school quarterback goes out, and you're a freshman, and they're like, hey, here you go. Like, take the keys. So that's kind of where they're at. But let me say this. In four, game, four five games this season before Riley Leonard got hurt, so this is not the Florida State game. This is not the Louisville game. The five previous games, Notre Dame and earlier, 126 passing attempts, 79 completions, 912 yards, seven touchdowns total. That's rushing and passing together and one interception. That's the five games game. Okay? So Grayson, if you adjust Grayson's three games to five, so if you just adjust the stats from three games to five, now keep in mind, one of those games was wake forest. His first start where he, I mean, he had single digits and, and completions. He had like under a hundred yards. So you're even counting that first game. If you adjust Grayson, To five games. He has thrown 156, 153 times compared to 126. He's completed 82 compared compared to 79. So completion percentage is not quite as good, but he's thrown for 922 yards. That's 10 more yards. And here's the kicker. 12 total touchdowns compared to seven. So, I mean, listen, this is not to take anything away from Riley Leonard. Y'all know this, this podcast will fight you over Riley Leonard. Jamie Holt will proclaim his love for Riley Leonard on this podcast. We love the guy. But at the end of the day, Grayson has done extremely well. He's thrown the ball really well. I feel like Kevin Johns has done an incredible job of giving him plays that he can can succeed with. Uh, not giving him like tons of reads to make and really able to get the ball out and get it where he needs to go. So, I mean, I want to give a shout-out to that. Like like I said, adjusted stats, I think if you put those stats beside each other, it's kind of a pick em on which one you want. Do you want a little bit better completion percentage but not quite as many touchdowns, or do you want vice versa? So, I you know, I I, I did that today just to try to figure it out, and it came to be true that they're very, very similar.
0: Does that feel good, Josh, giving stats? That's, that's my line.
3: Bro. It was incredible. I had to do math. I was, like, back in, like, my, like, seventh grade math (laughs) class. Like, it was pretty cool.
0: Your brain melted,
1: didn't it?
3: (laughs)
4: All right. And we talked about this one a little earlier, but at Vaden Alton said, can this be right? Carter with zero tackles on Saturday. And it just, it it felt like usually even, even we know that Dwayne doesn't get a whole bunch of tackles. But he's constantly in the backfield wreaking havoc, it seems like. But Saturday afternoon, it just wasn't happening.
0: I just chalk it up one of those games. I mean, has he had another game where he hadn't had any tackles? Maybe it's freshman year, sophomore year. I I don't know. I mean, you're going to have those type of games. Whether you're an elite quarterback, whether you're a wide receiver, that's just gone all out. These games happen. I can guarantee you this. He'll have a tackle or two this Saturday against Pitt. Guarantee you. Take it to the bank. Are you saying there might be a big man touchdown? Ooh, nothing. I mean, nothing would make me happier than to see big boy rumbling down the sidelines and scoring a touchdown.
4: Uh, At TS Lester underscore. How delicate is balancing expectations right now? He says, to get to the top, we can't accept losing or just be happy with six to seven wins. But at the same time, if we win six to eight a year for a few
0: years, he wouldn't complain
4: as long as we're winning the ones we should.
0: I think this is the the, the great argument amongst Duke fans. Even when Cutcliffe was around, or would you be happy? Well, let's just say, would you rather be happy having 10 seasons of six and six Or would you be happy with three seasons where you win eight, nine, 10 games, but the other seven are losing seasons? That's the ultimate question, but it's, it's Mike Elko does not want to settle for six and six. He has said that he has stated that plain and simple. I think the we're at a very weird time as Duke football fans i have never seen so many people go after each other online, Twitter, Facebook. Guys, let's just enjoy this ride, plain and simple. Everyone's got their own opinion, their different opinion. Let's just respect each other. Jordan, I I know you've been meaning, you've been opening your mouth. I'm sorry, but being a Duke fan for thirty plus years, it, it's 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 complicated. It's been complicated. You know, and it's even more complicated because this was one of those seasons where, like we said earlier, hey, if we win six games with the schedule that we have, man, we're doing good. But after the Clemson win, it's like, if we don't win nine games or more, then it's a failed season. Then when Rylan went down, okay, six wins isn't that bad, (laughs) you know? So it's been a roller coaster of a season for for us fans. Jordan, I'm sorry. I know you've been wanting to speak.
5: No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I was just going to say context matters. Like, I agree, but with – like Ty is saying, like six and six, and we're floating, like, is seven and five okay? Yes. In this situation, absolutely. When you're down to a true freshman quarterback, that's your third string. And it's not even that Duke lost, and this is what I've been frustrated at with people upset with how the season has transpired, was what are, What were your expectations when an, not only your starting quarterback, an all-ACC caliber starting quarterback goes down? Like, the guy is a complete difference maker. Without him against Clemson, Duke does not win that game. That third down run that he had was wrapped up in the backfield for 45 yard touchdown, whatever it was. No other QB, arguably in the ACC besides Jordan Travis, makes that play, and he is lights out. And we were robbed of him having a spectacular season. And Duke's done a really good job of rebounding from that. And so I say with the Elka, with the Cockleif thing about they were six and six to seven and five. Some of those seasons that were seven and five were okay because, like. You had Thomas Cirket quarterback, and his ceiling was a lower than your first round pick, Daniel Jones at quarterback. That's where the frustration was with Cutcliffe. Was like, "Hey, you got a first round QB, you got to go better than six and six, seven and five to play Northern Illinois in a bowl game." And so that's how I feel with, uh, that's how I feel with the team now. As Brian threw me a curveball. All
4: right, at Splash Obi, well, holly. Justin, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> we, t- we, t- we talked about this. Earmuffs, kids. Earmuffs. He says, What the fudge? I'm not gonna say it, Tyler. I'm not gonna have you bait me into saying a terrible <laughs> word that I never I never curse, Tyler. I never curse. How many times have you heard me curse? Only on Sundays. <laughs> Only on Sundays. Between <laughs> the hours
0: of one o'clock and four o'clock. Oof. Yesterday was bad for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I mean that kind of coincides with the last question. We're we're kind of saying that right now. We said that after the Notre Dame game. What the f- I'm on fourth and sixteen. I know I keep belaboring on that, but you know, again, folks, we're still bowling after all the mess that we have gone through, after all the injuries, after all the situations that have happened. This team's still bowling. So again, I get you, Tyler. Trust me. I've said that a couple of times this season, but all we can do is just take it one game at a time. All right. At underscore batfan account. Batman.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> if Elko leaves, do we think other talents might follow like Raleigh, Jomo, BJ, etc.? cetera. And mm-hmm. I think we got into this a little bit. So
3: uh, not Jomo.
4: Yeah. His Jomo's hey, whole his, family. His, family goes, his, yeah.
3: his whole family goes to Duke. So, I don't yeah. think Jomo. I mean, there's going to be some people that leave, but I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know that they're necessarily going with him. I, mean, I think they might leave just, just because it's a new new head coach. But, I mean, Brandon Johnson was not a uh, an Elko recruit. Riley Leonard was not an Elko recruit. Jordan Moore was not an Elko recruit. I think we're more apt to lose these freshmen, these true freshmen, that maybe have redshirted this season, that came here for Elko. Those are the. The ones I'm more nervous about the guys that aren't two years into a Duke degree, right? Like if you're two years into a Duke undergrad, man, you might as well stick it out and get your undergrad because you know, Duke, Duke preaches that 40 year decision. That's a reality for you in two years. So I, I think it's the young guys, the these true freshmen from this year that we have to worry about.
0: So let me ask you guys this, because I remember when Elko came in and took over for Cutcliffe, how many players left? Two two or three. Two play- yeah, but it was a different situation. They were coming off two losing seasons. It could be different coming off two winning seasons.
3: Yeah, and they also didn't have uh, other schools calling them and telling them they're going to pay them X amount of money. For yeah, the- different situation.
0: Yeah, NIL yeah. was not in play then. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right.
4: All right, our next question. This is kind of a different spin on what uh, Brian, I think, has mentioned a couple of times now, the 4th and 16, and the what-ifs, uh, at a bill. Jackets fan, I Andrew. Actually, I think that's actually Brian's friend too. Uh, this may be. Uh, he's like. This may be a question for the next pod, but I'm gonna do it tonight. So, but what's Duke's record right now if Sam Hartman doesn't convert the fourth down? Leonard then doesn't get hurt and likely doesn't get re-hurt against FSU. And he said, "Is ten and one crazy?" I think that might be a little crazy, ten and one, maybe. But in my opinion, we're at least. Duke is at least eight and three, and possibly nine and two.
0: A- Andrew, we've been friends a long time, but what the hell, man? Seriously, you're gonna subject us to this,
5: <laughs> Jordan?
3: Jordan, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah,
5: the only game I'm saying we lose is Louisville because Louisville literally kicked our ass for four quarters. With with I know Riley was injured, but that offense wasn't getting anything that day. The Florida State game, we're up going in the fourth quarter with the hobbled Ryan Leonard. With a healthy Ryan Leonard, we win that game. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the stats say. Me and Bud Elliott will go to Twitter War again. Duke wins that game with a healthy Ryan Leonard. And they beat North Carolina because they can control the time possession a lot better than what they did. And they do. You think,
3: do you think we can beat Virginia with him?
5: Oh, my God. I don't know. That might be a double overtime <laughs> win. Yes. No, I agree, Jordan. I mean,
3: listen, the Florida State game, I mean, Scott and I were there. Look, we were up three and driving in the red zone, about to go up 10. We had all the momentum. So, yeah, Andrew, thanks for the question, man. Uh, way to bring that up. But I actually put on my optimistic Duke fan hat on that one, and I would I would say we can be 10-1, 9-2.
5: So my record is correct then on my preseason yeah. preview. We're going with that right there. The sure.
3: Sure.
0: Congrats on your jackets winning their sixth game as well, Andrew. All right.
4: Got two more questions. At Chris M. Durham wants to know how mad should the fans be that Elko has interviewed during the season? And we have seen some anger for interviewing during the season. I mean, I may have had a little bit of anger, like about, about, we may have had some internal discussions that I didn't put on Twitter or anything, but. I can I can understand it. I can understand being upset when you're a coach of your team who's our, a team that's already going bowling is going and interviewing for another job. I get I get people being upset.
0: Yeah, I mean we we said it. This is a business now, plain and simple. It, it's turned into that. If you don't have the support at your job, you're going to look elsewhere. If you do have the support, you might still interview just to see what that next job. Could per, could give you, I guess you could say. But At the end of the day, you've got to do what's best for you, your family, and ultimately your future. So, yeah, some things have, some what ifs have been thrown around at, off off camera with between us. Some cuss words have been said. Jamie has said it during the hours of one and four Sunday while he was watching the Panthers, and we were talking about Mike Elko. But yeah, I mean, it happens in everyday life. If I'm not happy at my job. I'm going to go look elsewhere. Or if I feel like I'm not getting the support of my job that I need, I want to see what options are out there. It's, it's plain and simple. Everyone's laughing. by the way, Scott isn't on the episode, but he, but he, he's still listening in. Sorry, Scott. You just need to log off, buddy. (laughs) You know oh, man! i would take another
4: job you know i'd be like if you're not giving me enough vacation like'm I'm, go, <laughs> I'm gonna go where i'm gonna get more vacation i gotta have my beach time
0: listen yeah, which, uh, no no other job is going to give you 500 days off jamie sorry
5: <laughs> to go back on that real quick about the the michigan state job the thing that got leaked i think that's more fabricated than truth and obviously i don't know anything thing either but that's what what I've calculated from what I've gathered in my own personal investigation. And uh, because the football scoop came out with an article Saturday about the candidates for the Michigan State job, and Elko is not listed. And football scoop has every insider that you need to know who was wondering about what coaching carousel there is. They might have briefly talked about him, but he was not the main candidate that that tweet and that Instagram post made it seem to be that Elko was about to do a second round of interviews. So scratch that. So AM, maybe.
3: Yeah. And, and I mean, I want to, I want to reiterate this. If you are in a profession that it is commonplace for you to move from one place to another, every few years, whether it be every couple of years, every five or six years, whatever it may be. Right. So, so when, when the Elko family embarked on this journey back, back when he first got into coaching that was what it, what it is, okay? So number one, you're in a profession that moves you around the country. Number two, if you're working a job and somebody else can pay you more money, Jamie, you mentioned earlier, I'm not going to act like that's not enticing. If I'm working at a job in North Carolina and it's paying me $150,000 a year and I could go work at the same job doing the same thing in Texas for $300,000 a year and double, I'm going to look at it. And then if you add, maybe the money is not that great, but the benefits, right? Jamie, you mentioned like time off, right? If the time off, so look at that as like NIL support or facilities support or, you know, nutritional support for the players, whatever it may be, those are those benefits and perks. And if you can get those elsewhere and you're not getting them at your current job and it makes sense for your family, there's not one person listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube and subscribing right now. uh, There's not one person who wouldn't at least take the interview. At least take the interview. I'm not mad at him. No one should be mad at him for taking the interview. No one. Because every single person would do the exact same thing.
0: And like my wife has told me numerous times, just because you interview doesn't mean you have to accept it. Say no. If you don't want it, just say no. Thank you for the opportunity. But at this time, I'm not going to take the job.
4: All right. This is our last question. And it may be the greatest question we've ever had. At McManson69, did the kid that lost his shoes storming the field after the Clemson game ever find them? It's getting cold outside. <laughs> so with a backstory about this, for people that don't know, Noah, our guy Noah, a big Duke Mr. Fan, Mr. Right? Insta- all, the instigator. <laughs> yeah, we all agree that Noah's a huge Duke fan against Clemson, he might've got a little tipsy that night. I think, I think he may have been just a little bit, a little bit tipsy stormed the field, lost his shoes and then tweeted at us, or, or he sent a question for one of the episodes and said, uh, uh, asking for a friend, does anyone know who to, who to call to find, to find said friend's shoes that he lost when, when storming the field.
0: So there's
4: the story on that. Uh, and there isn't is he ever did find his shoes.
0: Yeah. So, so, uh, Scott actually knows some folks at Duke, reached out to them, genuinely trying to help Noah one said, hey, listen, did you find any shoes on the field last night? It was the day after the game. They're like, nope, didn't find anything. Sorry, they must have gotten thrown out. So, Noah, if you were hoping to get them back, buddy, not going to happen.
3: Well, Jamie, thank you for that uh, uh, mailbag. Thank you for all the listeners, for you guys sending in. Your questions, we'd like to do that every week and get you guys involved in what we do. And we really appreciate you guys following along all season with us. Um, but before we move uh, into this weekend in, in Duke football history, um, did want to briefly talk about the Durham Devils Club for a couple of reasons. Number one, we've mentioned a couple of times here NIL support is key. If you are listening or watching this podcast, especially if you have the potential to be a major donor, be straight up honest with you. Um, you need to consider the NIL if you have that potential. Maybe you've been giving to other entities, um, you know, just historically, you need to consider diversifying to the Durham Devils Club, just being straight up with you. Uh, This is the NIL arm for Duke football, and it will be adding other sports that will be coming out very soon, be adding other sports to what the Durham Devils Club does and helping Duke Athletics and their student athletes uh, succeed on and off the field with NIL. So that's very important. and so. A couple of things this Saturday, this Saturday for the pit game, uh, we will be having a tailgate, um, in lot B five, the Durham devils club is going to be sponsoring that tailgate. We're having the food, Look, Matt from the hard hat guys is cooking like normal. Uh, we'll be having all that. There'll be plenty of food there. Pony Saurus is donating beer. So there'll be free breakfast beer. Um, for, for those of you that like to get started early as some of my drinking, uh, People, friends that drink say, if you don't start drinking early, you can't drink all day. So uh, I guess that's that's for those of you that, that want to do that. Um, that's That will be there. That will be free. Um, Durham Devils Club will have a booth set up there for a couple of things. First of all, if you're interested in learning more about membership, we'll be there to answer any questions that you have about what we do. Second thing, you'll be able, if you're a member and you come, uh, you'll be entered in automatically into a raffle. I'll tell you in a second what's going to be uh, what what's going to be a part of that raffle. If you're not a member currently and you want to be involved in the raffle, you can do one of two things: you can sign up for the twenty-five dollar monthly membership there on site, and we'll enter you into the raffle, or you can buy raffle tickets uh, when you're there; just purchase them outright. So, a lot of fun there. The raffle items are going to include a Mike Elko signed football, um, player autographed photos. I won't say who the players are, but one of them is rolling around, and the other one blocked for him and will be in the NFL. So I'm not gonna say who they are, but those those autographs will be available. Um, and then we're gonna have some DDC. Uh, merch, some hats uh, to give away. And then uh, there's going to be one thing we can't even say what it is, but let's just put it this way. There's going to be something there. Uh, if you're coming to the pit game, which you're going to be there because you're going to be tailgating, you'll get some like uh insider access that day, day of the game. We're going to, that's going to be part of the uh, giveaway as well. And so um, it's going to be really cool. We want to invite you guys to come out. If you got any questions about the DDC, reach out. To, you can reach out to us on, on uh, social media. Reach out to me personally as well. Um, love to love to help and answer any questions. But that's all about the DDC. You guys, got any questions about DDC on here? Anything else to say about that, Brian?
0: Can we can we win the prizes?
3: Uh, probably not. That would be a conflict of oh. interest.
0: Yeah, what I'm what sure
3: a, we can. I'm sure we can weasel a Elko sign ball away from Elko if we needed to.
0: What What about my kids? You can't say no to the kids.
3: Yeah, we can. Pretty you easily. can't.
0: Yeah, pretty you'll say, you'll say no to kids. Hudson. Okay. Yeah. we'll
3: just just give them have you seen me have you seen me parent my kids
0: (laughs) yes that's a
3: wolf my kids are like dad's probably gonna say no but let me see so uh no anyway Um, did you let them out of the
0: basement tonight
3: nope (laughs) they they have to be in the basement while we're recording i'm just kidding y'all that is a joke that is a joke don't turn me in um but uh my, my kids are 15 and 13. They could probably beat my. They could probably beat me up right now. So
0: he hasn't been it.
3: You know. All right. Well, Scott's not with us uh, on the screens here and live, but he did record uh, this week in Duke football history for us. It is uh, sponsored, and he, I'm sure he'll tell you, but it is sponsored by Bull City Sheet Metal. And so, uh, without further ado, uh, this week in Duke football history with one Mr. Scott, Medlin Scott, take it away.
1: For this week in Duke football history, we're gonna go back to November 30th, 2013, and the last time the Duke North Carolina, I'm sorry, CHC Chapel Hill College would be the final game of the regular season. Duke would edge the team from eight miles away, 27-25. Side note was this was the last time that I'd been to a game in a light blue Smurf land, and thank God I missed last week. But anyway, Anthony Boone went 23 of 34 with 274 yards and two touchdowns. Shaquille Powell led the team with nine rushes for 57 yards, and Josh Need had 10 carries for 54 yards. Braxton Deaver led the team with seven receptions for, for 65 yards. Brandon Braxton had five receptions for 70, and Jamison Crowder had five receptions for 54 yards and two touchdowns. On the defensive side, Jeremy Cash led the team with 13 tackles and David Helton had nine. One of the biggest highlights of the game was a 99-yard kick return from Mr. Kickoff Return himself, Devon Edwards, right before halftime to give Duke the 17-15 lead at the break. Ross Martin capped off the win with a 27-yard field goal with 2.22 to go to seal the game for the Blue Devils. This victory also made Duke the Coastal Division champion and gave them the right to play Florida State the next week in the ACC Championship, where they would come up short to Crab Legs and Kelvin Benjamin. And that was This Week in Duke Football History, brought to you by Bull City Sheet Metal. No matter what your duck needs, if you're going through it, they make it. Give them a call today at 919-354-0993 or visit bullcitysheetmetal.com.
3: And thank you, Scott, for This Week in Duke Football History. Always good to look back. Um, And we do want to thank our sponsors once again, Bull City Sheet Metal. We've got one final opponent this year, Brian. Uh, They've been a thorn in the side of this Duke football program for many years. Uh, Mr. Narduzzi had Mr. Cutcliffe's number. That's for dang sure. Uh, But I don't know all the numbers, man. You're the numbers guy. This is what we call the tail of the tape. There's going to be a did you know at the end. This is not yet sponsored. And this is the last week of the season so if you're interested in sponsoring for next season you might want to get in now because all of our listeners and viewership have gone up throughout the year and guess what you know what that means sponsorship prices are going to go up heading into next year so if you'd like to get in where they're at now and you'd like to sponsor the teletape please do so but without further ado teletape mr brian kennedy right
0: the last opponent for the regular season can't forget the bowl season josh we got one more opponent after pitt all right tell the tape for the pitt panthers last year Pitt went nine and four and we go to the sun bowl where they defeated ucla 37 to 35 last week pitt defeated boston college 24 to 16 and they are currently three and eight overall Head coach Pat Narduzzi is in his eighth year as Pitt's head coach and has an overall coaching record of 65-49. and 49. Before becoming the Pitt head coach, Narduzzi had assistant coaching jobs at Michigan State, Cincinnati, Miami of Ohio, and Northern Illinois. Now, overall, this is the 27th matchup all-time between Duke and Pitt, with Pitt leading the series matchup all-time 17-9. The first-ever meeting between Duke and Pitt took place all the way back on October 5th, 1929, where Pitt defeated Duke 52 to seven. This game would also be significant as it was the first time a game was played at then Duke Stadium, now known as Wallace Wade Stadium. So Pitt was the first opponent to play in Wallace Wade Stadium. Since 1969, the two schools have faced off 11 times. Duke has only won one game during that time frame. back in 2014, when they defeated Pitt 51 to 48 in Pittsburgh. Pitt currently has a seven game winning streak against the Blue Devils, and they won last year's game, the Pigeon Bowl, 28 to 26 in Pittsburgh. And as I just stated, the last time Duke defeated Pittsburgh was on November 1st, 2014. Duke won 51 to 48. And Mike Elko is 0-2 all time against Pitt. He lost when he was a coordinator at Bowling Green in 2013, and of course, last year. Now it's time for the Did You Know. Pitt's a part of the one of the oldest college football rivalries to date. The Backyard Brawl against West Virginia started back in 1895 and was a yearly contest between the two schools until 2011. The two schools are only separated by 75 miles. And the rivalry has been known to be one of the more intense football rivalries. The 1921 matchup had more historical significance attached to it as it was the first ever college football game to be broadcast over the radio legendary radio announcer Harold W Arlen provided the play-by play that day as Pitt would defeat West Virginia 21 to 13 the 1970 matchup almost ended a famous coach's career then West Virginia head coach Bobby Bowden had his team up 35 to 8. At the half. With most in the stadium thinking the game was over, Pitt called nautical an audible and switched their offense to the power eye and ran the ball the entire second half, coming back and defeating West Virginia 36-35. After the game, West Virginia fans were so furious they tried storming the locker room calling for Bowden's head. Now the two teams played every year again from 1919 until 2011 when Pitt would leave the Big East Conference for the ACC. Since that time, the two schools have only played twice, with the next matchup taking place next year. While there are so many stories to date with this rivalry, it's clear this one is one of the most fierce rivalries in college football. That was the tale of the tape for the Pitt Panthers. Josh, man, they almost killed Bobby Bowden. Man, he's a, <laughs> he's a good guy. I I mean, I read that, and I'm just thinking, okay, you pissed off a lot of folks being up 35 to eight, and for them to try to storm the locker room, man, they were upset. Yeah,
3: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, uh, that's, that's interesting. And you know, it doesn't surprise that is an incredible rivalry. Um, and you know, you take the town of Pittsburgh, the city of Pittsburgh and the state of West Virginia, man, that's gotta be some like interesting, uh, Interesting arguments and interesting things going back and forth there. I won't say my opinion on both on either one of those, uh, but let's just say different people, some different people living in those areas. So uh, for sure. Well, listen, um, we are now moving into uh, about to move into our predictions time. We do want to take some time right now to remind you to follow us on social media at Duke FB talk. Uh, that's on Twitter or X. That's on uh, Instagram. That's on TikTok. On Facebook, you can look us up Duke Football Talk, DukeFootballTalk.com. Uh, you can find us on the interwebs, uh, YouTube by searching Duke Football Talk as well. Subscribe there. We do appreciate five star reviews and ratings if we earned it. If we didn't earn it, listen, if you logged on tonight and Brian was muted and we don't deserve the five stars for that, don't give them to us, right? But if we redeemed ourselves, then uh, give us five stars if we earned it. Do want to take a second there. Jordan, would you take 30 seconds, uh, plug what you do on your social channels as well as your podcast, man?
5: Yeah, so I have my Duke FB fans Twitter account up here. That's uh, uh, I'm optimistic or obnoxious duke football fans for people that follow me and then i also have a twitter account called coach j man where i do ba- do basketball tweets separately this year and then the big j and little j show is a podcast that i have it is the number one duke football podcast uh but no it's uh <laughs>
0: hey jordan thanks for joining us tonight you can log off now
3: Hey, Jordan, we did want to take this time to rank our favorite host on the Big J, Little J Show. Oh, my God. I'm not going right. to do that. No, we won't do that. We won't do that. But, uh, but Number one. Uh, we do,
5: that's fine. That's fine. You put me third. and uh, But, yeah, Big J, Little J Show. Uh, we do Duke football and Duke basketball, and obviously I love you guys, so I love coming on here. So I appreciate you letting me have the time to shout it out.
3: Yeah, Jordan. We appreciate you coming on, man. You've become uh part of the part of the fam and uh and we enjoy interacting and pretty cool, man. Duke football brings people together that would never uh never probably get to know each other and man, we've had we've uh, we've eaten together, you know. We've had some had some interesting fun times together uh, for sure. But um it is now time to predict, right? Uh we have interesting this past week because uh, not many people picked Virginia uh, to beat Duke and the predictions. And so, uh, Brian, let us know who won on the social channels, and then uh, we'll give you uh, our predictions heading into this coming weekend.
0: So we only had one winner this week, guys, with our three social media accounts. First time that's happened in a couple of years, I would say. So no one on Facebook and no one on Instagram predicted Virginia to win, not one person. On Twitter, this is I, – I mean, I'm sounding like a broken record – this man, I said it last week, two weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. He's going to have a Section 17 T-shirt store. Big Papa RV did it yet again. The third time he's done it this season, he predicted Virginia to win 27-23. to 23. Not only is he picking the right team, he's close to the right score. So, Big Papa, I'm going to be texting you tonight or Facebook messaging you or Twitter messaging you. I'm going to get some Powerball tickets for Friday. I'm going to need you to give me the numbers, and we'll split the winnings 50-50. Sound good? That's it. Cool. I'll be reaching out to you.
3: I mean, Scott's basically got this dude's address memorized. Now he's sending him so much merch.
0: Yeah, we, we might just go by and say hey to him. I think he's I think he's in North Carolina. But anyway, so Big Pop RV, the only winner, will have two more prediction giveaways this season, the pick game and then the bowl game against our unknown opponent. But that will be announced on December 3rd. So um, I'm going to give the line really quick. Scott did record his prediction, so we'll let him go first, then the four of us will give it. So Duke is a six-point favorite, fellas, heading into Saturday. The over 42 and low, 42.5 points, only 42.5 points. So, uh, Scott gave his prediction, I believe, after the line came out. So, Scott, we're going to let you give your prediction really quick. So, here's Scott.
1: Well, let's see. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick uh, Duke to win, obviously. I think Duke's going to win out on senior day. I think the emotion's going to be there. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for our guys that are uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, sixth fifth-year guys. They're going to get an opportunity to beat Narduzzi finally because dadgummit, he's got some kind of voodoo on us. Um, I think Duke's going to end up winning 24-21. I don't know if there will be a lot of points scored because um, their defense is decent and their offense is not so much. Uh, I really think Todd Polino, the Todd father, may end up kicking the field goal towards the middle of the fourth quarter to give Duke the win. As far as uniforms, uh phew, I'm not, it, it, it's been hit and miss. I was really close last week. Um, I'm going to say that Duke will go with a blue out. I think we go blue lid with the Duke in the, not script, but the Gothic Duke, because I really think that is the theme of the season with the blue tops and the blue pants. I mean, that that's the classic look. I think it's beautiful. Uh, I really think Duke's going to, finally get their opportunity to beat Narduzzi. Uh, definitely need this W going into bowl season. Uh, and just want to take a chance, the uh, opportunity to tell everybody, happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone has a great time. able to spend time with your friends and family. And we will see you Saturday out at the tailgate and uh, B5. Go Duke.
0: And thanks, Scott, for not only recording your prediction, but also this week in Blue Devil History and your reaction to the Virginia game. Scott will hopefully be back next week. I think so. Maybe not. We'll see. You know, Yeah, he was, woods, at a ba-
3: he was at a basketball yeah, game yeah, tonight. Out in the- he,
0: he wasn't in the woods, folks. We joke. Yeah. He actually had a, uh, something to do, so hopefully Scott will be back next week. Well, I'll go ahead and get started. This is one that we all have wanted for a very, very long time. It has been almost 10 years since Duke has defeated Pitt, and this is probably one of the most frustrating teams that we play. Um, I think with it being senior day, the last game, the last straw for some of these guys, Duke's not going to lose this game. I'm, I'm just speaking from the heart. I think they're going to go out on top before they head into bowl season. I'm going to, I think Grayson's going to have a good complete game this Saturday. Uh, it's not gonna be no second quarter Grayson fourth quarter Grayson whatever Grayson is going to be complete game Grayson I'm you know what I'm gonna be right at the over under I'm gonna go Duke 28 and I'm gonna go Pip 14 28 to 14 now as far as the Jersey combo we were told last year that one of the seniors picked the senior day combo don't know if it's happening this year pitt is gold and blue or yellow and blue I don't even know what it is but I think Duke is going to end the season blue helmet with the white script gothic script you know what screw it blue out blue blue helmet white script sorry Jamie wake up Jamie blue helmet white script blue blue guy at seniors wish you nothing but the best in your future endeavors I know we've got the bowl game but thank you for all that you have given this Duke team in the last four years I'm done Who's next? I'll go. Sit you stole my uniform.
1: Combo. Yeah.
2: Um,
4: but I am. I'm still gonna. As far as the uniform goes, I'm still gonna go blue out. I'll change it to the to the large white D, um, just to be different. For the game, uh, Pitt their their run defense is suspect at best. Uh, so what does Duke do well? They run the ball. So what you got to do is you got to hit the hole. You got to hit it hard and you got to hit it fast. I mean, that's just what you got to do. But anyways, run the football. Let Grayson sling it all over the yard. Uh, (laughs) Just oh boy, I'm good. Duke wins twenty-four to sixteen. Duke wins twenty-four to sixteen.
5: Jordan, go ahead all right i'll go i'll go ahead i think the com uniform combination is going to be bland i think it's going to be white helmet with the blue d the blue uh, jersey white pants i think it's just going to be something i know i know you can give me a thumbs down but i think that's what it's going to be but to go off jamie's uh point Uh, running the ball or Pitt's run defense. I mean, Syracuse has my favorite stat line of college football season and maybe one of my favorite college football stats of the decade. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but when Syracuse beat Pitt, their leading passer was their tight end, three for five, 12 yards. Their leading rusher was said tight end, 17 carries for 154 yards. And the guy that had the most catches on the team was their quarterback. So that is one of my favorite stats of all time. He had two catches for negative three yards by the way. but what Syracuse did that game, they ran the ball 65 times for 392 yards and two touchdowns. You know who what Duke can do very well? Run the dang ball. And so I think Jordan Waters, call my shot, Jordan healthy Jordan Waters, healthy Jocquesz Moore, 80, 80 or more yards each with both touchdowns. And I think Loftus does more of a game managing situation because Pitt is just a physical team. I think Duke's gonna really try and control time of possession. So I think it's gonna hit the under. I think Duke wins, but I think it's gonna be run the ball, run the ball. Oh, you need a score, don't you? Final score. Final, I'll give you final score. Screw it. Final score 24-13. Duke.
3: All right. All right. I like it. Uh, just to make Brian mad, I know we only—I know we have another uniform reveal uh, coming up for the bowl game. But just to make Brian mad, I think Jamion Franklin gets to uh, pick the uh, the this since he's 28 years old and he's a captain. Um, I'm going to go white helmet. Oh God! With the blue D, black jersey top, and white pants. I'm going white, black, white, because Brian hates it. And that's why I'm doing it. So, white, black, it's the opposite of the Carolina. It's the white, black, white. I actually don't think it looks bad. I do wish the white tops had something black in it to connect. Like, the, the you know, anyway. White, black, black, or the white, you know, whatever. But that's where I'm going. Um, score-wise, I agree. Actually, you guys, great uh, feedback there uh, on Pitt's weaknesses, Duke's strengths. I am gonna. Uh, I do want to take this time to, once again, shout out J. Cole, who has bounced back. And, um, you know, should Jordan Waters or Jacquez not be able to go, like J. Cole is more than ready and more than capable. And uh, it's just been good to see him towards the end of the season here getting more carries. Uh, I do believe Duke can control the clock, but I think we can still uh, throw the ball. As well, I'm going to go a little bit over with the points, then. I'm going to go Duke 31 um, and Poopsburg uh, 18.
0: If 31 that combo, to 18. If that combo comes out Thursday night, I'm going to have four tickets available for uh, Saturday's game. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
3: Are you, though? Ask Bill Kaufman if you're kidding.
0: I don't think I'm <laughs> Goodbye, Josh.
5: He Jordan, will. have you
3: heard? <laughs> Jordan, did you hear the story? He will. No, please
5: tell me. Oh, my oh, goodness. God.
3: So, Brian... Last year, when Duke did the Black Hellraisers, Brian reacted about, he was pumped about it. And this this, uh, gentleman named Bill Kaufman said something to Brian. And he, Bill ended up deleting the tweet. So we're not we exactly sure what. But Bill got blocked by Brian and Bill didn't find <laughs> out until recently. He reached out to the podcast. He goes, Hey, is Brian, did he block me or is, or his tweets protected? He's like, I always enjoy his blah, blah. We look back and Brian blocked him over a disagreement about a uniform combo. Got
5: the block, and, and my response was goodbye, Bill.
3: <laughs> goodbye, Bill.
5: I I, uh, I remember seeing that interaction like last week, but I didn't know the context of why Bill was blocked. So, Bill, I might be on your side because it is hilarious seeing Brian like last week. Last Thursday was so funny. You tweeted at like Duke football, like, "Hey, it's seven o'clock," and then like seven minutes later, they came out the treasury Bill. I was like, "Oh my hey. god."
0: Hey, all I said was, I guess they're just playing in pads. And what do you know? Within a minute, they released it. So they listened
3: a minute. It was crazy. Yeah. (laughs) What's funny to me is that obviously Duke plays better when they wear certain, you know, whatever they're wearing determines, dictates how good they play. So now that is true in basketball. We know the black uniforms for the most part in basketball are cursed. We do know that. play good and you feel good. That's true. That is true. Cool. Well, Brian, have we, have we missed anything?
0: I don't know because my stupid internet was acting up. My apologies, folks. This has probably been my worst episode since we started this podcast. I might be going into the woods of enlightenment this weekend. I don't know.
3: Brian, this was like a four out of ten for you, man. I'm not going to lie. It it
0: really was, folks. So if you want to just block me, just say goodbye, Brian. Just do it. (laughs) I completely understand. No, we're getting close to the finish line, folks. We've got one, two, three episodes left. I mean, we've got the reaction episode bowl preview episode and then the bowl reaction episode jamie i saw you counting you're thinking how many days of vacation can i get in before we have those episodes but we are nearing the finish line for another great duke season but hey we've got to get through saturday 12 noon i'm not even gonna
3: say yeah
0: we will all be there we hope to see as many of you as possible both at the tailgate and inside wallace wade stadium come on to section 17. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of seats available. So bring your kids, bring your family. You got relatives coming in for Thanksgiving. Tell them to stay the weekend, bring them as well. We want to see as many of you as possible, but again, we will be back next week, hopefully with no internet problems. Jordan, we love you buddy, but we don't want to see you next week. (laughs) We, we want the big dog back, but if, but seriously, thank you for these last two weeks, helping us out on such short notice. You have been a lifesaver. We always love getting your input and thoughts and all the mailbag questions, everything Duke football. So again, thank you, buddy, for coming on.
5: Yeah, brother, I appreciate you guys having me. Like I said, I love you guys, and I'll be in attendance Saturday. So I was at the first game of the season, I'll be at the last game of the season. So I can't wait to see you guys. Later. Listen,
3: so you guys and listeners, you could come. We're gonna get Jordan to sit with us, so you could come and you could see Jordan and us together in the top row of section seventeen.
5: And I'll probably come be hang my out tweeting like I always do every single
3: game. See, we'll be ready. We'll come, come hang, come hang in seventeen.
0: Well, I'll do it, folks. Another weird, wacky, crazy episode, but you know you love it. Um, We'll be back next week. It'll be another fun one. But for Josh Cox, for Jordan Mann, Jamie Holt, for the absent Scott Medlin, and producer Justin Sykes, this is your host, Brian Kennedy, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast.
2: Now turn the music up.